day, everyone. It's a beautiful day in the PsyQ community. Welcome to PsyQ Podcast. You are here with your podcast hosts, Dr. Zamika Simmons-Yan and Jackie Canning, where we will spill the tea on hot topics in psychiatry. That's right. Here on PsyQ Podcast, you will get the 10-minute lowdown on what's steaming in the world of psychiatry and mental health. We ask you to listen to the episodes, rate us, and review us. Better yet, share the Psyche Podcast with your friends, where we all can sip on the Psyche tea, and maybe have a side of lemon with it. I hope the Psyche community is filled with excitement, because we have a lot of tea to spill. Okay, friends, today's episode is going to be good. So I hope you have your cup in your hand, and you're ready to get the tea. Because we are going to be talking about neuroimaging and schizophrenia and the latest developments. Yep, we have a guest with us today who is the neuroimaging go-to in psychiatry. Joining us to impart wisdom is none other than Dr. Anissa Abidargam. She is a professor of psychiatry and radiology at Stony Brook University. But but Dr. Abby Dargum has imprinted her mark by peer-reviewed publications and numerous prestigious awards. Anyway, welcome Dr. Abby Dargum and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for this very lively and exciting introduction. I don't know if I can match that level of excitement. Oh, you do, you do. You know, so of course, like- us. Oh, I was just gonna say. So many of us cannot match Amika's enthusiasm, so she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, of course, I could not give your introduction justice. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your areas of research? Okay, yeah, thank you for the nice introduction. So I have um, specialized in using molecular imaging techniques, that's uh, PET, positron emission tomography, which allows you to examine proteins in the brain. They could be receptors, enzymes, transmitters, you know, I'm one of those people who like to take things from kind of basic into translational and clinical, so to kind of cover the whole kind of uh, uh, transition. So thanks for sharing all that. It's very exciting. And so I'm really curious to hear what is the, one of the most recent uh, or critical findings that neuroimaging data has uh, found in schizophrenia these days? Can you elaborate on that? Uh, yes. So, you know, there are a few of those. Um, so let's start with the dopamine field because dopamine in a way is a great uh, area to study with uh, imaging because we have a lot of tools to be able to examine various parameters related to this um, system. So we can examine receptors and uh, transmitter levels, transporters, etc. And, you know, in general, you can think of the dopaminergic alterations in schizophrenia in kind of two sections. One of them has to do with the striatum, the structure deep down in the brain that kind of receives all the mess messaging from the cortex, processes it, and tells us what to do with this information. So in the striatum, there is excess dopamine, and that is resulting in overstimulation of D2 receptors, 
And that is associated with psychosis, the severity of psychosis, the response of psychosis to antipsychotic medications, and it's also related to all kinds of abnormalities and function of the brain, abnormal connectivity uh, of this brain region to the rest, to the cortex, and abnormal processing of sensory information so that it biases one to uh, be more prone to hallucinations, for example. So all of that has been really kind of a solid area of research that's uh, produced quite a bit of interesting findings in the role of dopamine and psychosis. Another part of that um, area is what's going on outside of the striatum. And there is actually the opposite. We have too little dopamine. It's been shown at least by two studies now. And this deficit in dopamine basically renders the brain in a way hypodopaminergic in its totality, except for the striatum. And that affects all the dopaminergic receptors outside of the striatum. They're going to be understimulated. And the biggest impact of that is actually on the D1 receptor in the prefrontal cortex, because that is a receptor that's very necessary for cognition. Um, and so being understimulated, we know very well from all kinds of studies, preclinical and clinical, that that kind of produces a deficiency in working memory performance, and that would lead to all kinds of uh, functional deficits. Um, this actually has been supported enough to um, lead to stimulation of the D1 receptors. So there are two types of drugs that are currently being tested. Uh, a positive allosteric modulator of the D1, so it's kind of, it boosts the effect of dopamine when dopamine interacts with D1. And the other one is a D1 partial agonist, which is what we are testing currently. And that is more like mimicking the effect of dopamine, but to a smaller extent. And so both of these therapeutic strategies are being tested based on these molecular imaging finding and of course other findings. But when, when the data from different type of sources kind of converges, that gives more understanding of what the intervention should be and also why is it important, gives it uh, more impact. So, so that is for dopamine. I can go on if needed, but maybe I should uh, move on to now another transmitter system where molecular imaging has been um, quite um, uh, informative. Uh, and that is the glutamate system. Now, to image the glutamate system, uh, we use MRS, magnetic resonance spectroscopy, rather than PET, because there aren't enough um, good uh, PET radio tracers for the glutamatergic system. So with MRS, many studies have been conducted and have kind of revealed different types of findings, but putting those all together into one super meta-analysis, we have learned recently from this meta-analysis that initially there may be an excess of glutamate in the prefrontal cortex and in the hippocampus. And that kind of makes sense from with knowing that there is a deficit in the GABA uh, inter um, GABAergic interneurons in these two in these two regions, the cortex and the hippocampus. So, because there is a deficiency in the inhibition 
you have an excess endoglutamatergic transmission and that leads to all kinds of problems, you know, poor signal to noise in the prefrontal cortex, poor cognition and an abnormally hyperactive hippocampus. So, but after this kind of initial phase where there may be too much glutamate, it seems that with time and antipsychotic treatment, there's actually the opposite that happens, a deficit in glutamate. So, you know, if you listen to the what I just said about dopamine and what I just said about glutamate, what is really kind of interesting that jumps at us is that nothing is like static and nothing is just the same everywhere. So there are complex topographical alterations and they may be dynamic with time, with treatment, they may change. So that's a very important um, information to know when one is thinking about where is a patient in terms of their pathology or their stage of the illness and also what type of treatment might be appropriate. Um, another interesting find, well actually lack of finding is from this, um, you know, imaging inflammation in the brain, which has been very contributory in depression, but in schizophrenia using the tracer that we have um, for the TSPO, uh, we actually were not able to detect a signal for inflammation, which doesn't mean that there is no inflammation. It just means that our tool is not um, the, the right kind of tool to detect the right, uh, the, the target that um, exists in schizophrenia. But another newer area, um, somewhat related because, you know, inflammation may lead to synaptic loss, is a tracer to examine synaptic density it's called UCBJ, was developed at Yale. And with that, there have been uh, at least one study showing that there is, there is a decrease in synaptic density in the frontal and anterior cingulate and to some extent in the hippocampus. And that doesn't seem to be due to antipsychotics. Now, obviously, more research is needed uh, to confirm. You know, you don't never rely on just one study to be able to derive any firm conclusions about any system. But I would say these are the highlights at this point. Uh, more work needs to be done. Many systems have not been explored enough, um, but that is uh, what is recently the field is examining. You know, I'm sitting here like, oh, Dr. Abby Dargham, I just wish you had like a whiteboard in front and drawing all of this out because this has been so interesting and especially with the recent and critical findings. But I was wondering, given all of this and, and what you've just spilled for us, um, are we any closer to personalized medicine based on these recent imaging findings? Uh, well, I wish. Um, I don't think we're that close, unfortunately. Um, you know, we're we're making uh, some progress, uh, and I'm hoping someday we will get there. Uh, I will probably be retired by that time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's it's still you know um, quite a bit far uh, as a target. There are those some you know there's a lot of work in this area trying to find a signal that can be reproducible and that you can rely on to distinguish between types of patients to predict a certain outcome based on a certain biology. I mean, this is basically what we need. Um, and, you know, various uh, groups are looking at various potential biomarkers. We call them 
you know, potential at this point because nothing is confirmed. One potential biomarker that we and, I, and my group, we have developed and we're pursuing further is a result of all these dopaminergic studies. And that is an MRI way of measuring the metabolism of dopamine, how much dopamine somebody has had over a lifetime. It's a cumulative measure of the overall amount of dopamine that accumulates somewhere deep down in the brain in the substantia nigra because it binds iron. It gives a signal that the MRI can detect. And now when you talk about MRI, this is very widespread, it's feasible, it's, you, it can be disseminated, so you can get lots of data on lots of people relatively cheaply, you can repeat it over time, so you can capture this kind of, you know, what I was alluding to as a dynamic, um, dynamic changes in the brain, so you can kind of look over time as to what's going on. And with that, we think that this is a potential biomarker that can allow us, for example, to see who is going to convert to psychosis, so a prediction of diagnosis, a prediction of substance use, uh, because substance use disorders also as, as, are associated with abnormal dopamine. We can look to see if it predicts treatment response um, or treatment resistance so that it can better informed inform the kind of therapy that one can choose, obviously, uh, if one has multiple therapies to choose from. So this is one that I'm excited about. Um, other people are looking at different MR measurements of cortical thickness or patterns of connectivity. The thalamo cortical connectivity has kind of come out uh, also as a potential biomarker. So this is, you know, how in sync are two brain regions kind of like um, having um, measuring the electrical signal from these regions, whether they're in sync or not. And that connectivity measure between the thalamus and the cortex, different parts of the cortex has also come up as a potential biomarker. So, yeah, various things, but nothing is very close at this point. Thank you for that. But, you know, thinking about the imaging of the cumulative effect of dopamine really is interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's very easy to do simple. Um, the analysis is now being standardized. So we hope that this will be very um, usable. I mean, obviously, it has a very obvious use in Parkinson because you So for those listeners out there, our PsyQ members and listeners who are really excited about this information and want to learn more and keep up, where do you encourage they go for more information? Uh, yeah, definitely. They can listen to a longer conversation we've had that's entitled Updates on Neuroimaging Evidence in Schizophrenia that's posted on thepsycu.org. And also they can refer to many publications that are in the Schizophrenia Corner on that website. You know, hearing about all of these advances in neuroimaging, molecular imaging, I think I need a PET scan because you have truly stimulated my brain in ways I, I couldn't even imagine. Um, but we do. We appreciate your work and your knowledge. Jackie, I told them she's awesome. She's stellar. She really is. And she spilled the tea for us today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. You've heard it for yourself right here on the PsychU Community Podcast. But you don't have to stop here. 
definitely check out the show notes for the links to find more resources on today's discussion on psyche.org. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more hot topics right here on the Psyche Community Podcast, please rate and review us. And please subscribe so you always get the new episode whenever it drops. Also, check out our other social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So until next time, thank you for listening, everyone, and have a great day.